Hey friends, today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Plain Joe Studios. Just this week, I was in a conversation with a church leader and one of the principals from Plain Joe, and I was reminded again why I love Plain Joe. They describe themselves as spatial storytellers. You might be wondering, what on earth does that mean? It means that they bring their very best to taking your church story and bringing it to life in your physical space. They combine architecture and concept design and graphic design and technology integration and a deep love of the local church. And they wrap that up into a singular design process that will elevate your church building into an immersive asset that will ultimately propel your mission forward and connect more people to your story. Listen, these guys have literal Disney heritage with principals who have worked for the Walt Disney Company, literal, literally projects all over the world, and an incredibly talented team that gets the local church. They've worked with churches across all different sizes, all across the country, from cafe design to kids ministry theming to major master planning and renovations for a large campus. Plain Joe is the partner you're going to want to call. Listen, this is what I want you to do. Go to www.plainjoestudios.com that's www.plainjoestudios.com forward slash unseminary and connect with them today for a free 30 minute consultation jump on the phone talk them through the problems you're having in your facility or even stuff that looks up over the horizon again that's www.plainjoestudios.com forward slash unseminary and connect with them for a free 30 minute consultation You'd love to talk with them. They'd love to connect with you. They want to hear more of your story and figure out how they can do it in one of those spatial storytelling ways. All right, let's jump on to the episode. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. We are so honored that you have tuned in, that you're giving us a bit of your time today, that you've put us in your earbuds. Uh, you know, every week on Unseminary, we try to bring you a leader uh, with some helpful content to really help you as you lead in your church. And today is no exception. I'm super excited uh, that my new friend, Benjamin Windle, reached out. Uh, I think today's conversation is going to be one of those ones you're going to look back on and say, wow, I'm so glad uh, that I was there for that. So Benjamin, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm having my my morning cup of tea over here in Australia while we're recording this, <laughs> and it's a real joy to <laughs> yes. be a part of the podcast. Yeah, what time? It's like it's we're recording this in the afternoon, our time Eastern, but it's like early morning for you. So, it, which I, I appreciate you it doing. It has that. a five in front of it, but I'm kind of used to that now. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that's great, perfect. Well, that's good. Why don't you give us kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a sense of your background, that sort of thing. Well. Uh, when I was 16, having been raised in the church, I'm a pastor's kid, I uh, came to a fork in the road. For me, it's a really crucial part of my journey because I think I had a sense, Rich, that even at that time, if I did kind of the typical of what I was seeing with my friends around me and, and walked away from church, I just had this niggle that maybe I would never go back, you know. Mm. And I think... At that point, I made a decision within my own life that even though my church was like really small, little old school, mm. like plenty mm. of things that you could throw rocks at, I made a life decision to stay and be a part of the solution. 
And that has really been a path that I've attempted to, you know, follow. Uh, now being married for, I'm 38. We'll talk more about ages uh, in, in a minute. Uh, I've been married for 17 years. I have three sons. Uh, I've worked as a youth and young adult pastor in the US and uh, mm-hmm. I've been pioneering and senior pastoring over in Australia for the last 12 years. And of late, I've really put my heart and my mind into reaching back into this whole area of generational intelligence within the church, specifically the crises we're facing with millennials and Gen Z. Mm, you love it. I, I love that uh, profile of the, you know, where you've come from. And I love how you're using your kind of current leadership to ultimately help us wrestle with these issues of the next generation. And, you know, here at Unseminary, we want to be pro next generation. We're not, it's not one of those places where you're going to hear people dogging. It's like, it's just like, it's almost like a, a sport to like dog the millennials or, you know, Gen Z, that kind of thing. That's not going to happen here. I, I'd love for you to kind of help us for our listeners to kind of define. Uh, let's talk about who are the millennials, who are Gen Z, where do they kind of give us kind of place us in ages and uh, maybe some general characteristics of those generations. Let's, let's Let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I'll tell it through my story. I was born in mm-hmm. 1982. So nice. in terms of generations, I kind of actually straddle two eras, which would be mm-hmm. Gen X and mm-hmm. millennials. Millennials are born anywhere from maybe around 1980 onwards and Gen Z 2001 onwards. Now, that's very significant because what it means for me is I was raised in an analog childhood. But I was young enough when the digital revolution hit to catch that first wave and adopt technology early. So, for example, the sound of dial-up internet is still familiar to me. (laughs) Uh, I remember searching for a VHS tape, videos, yes, physical Mm -hmm. videos, behind covers in blockbuster video stores. I even carried an old school Walkman on the way to school Mm. to play cassette tapes. I know I'm really aging myself, but it's incredible how much things have changed, right? So I grew up in an analog environment, but then during my teenage years, there was this genesis of the digital age. But there is now these new generations that have only ever known a digital world social media, Mm -hmm. cell phones, wearable devices. And that's significant because it means their worldview starts at a very different place than all other generations. And that fundamentally changes the way we relate. So I prefer when I talk about generations, the, the categories matter and the I was born in this year and so forth. But I think more importantly, in really broad terms, you kind of go analog and digital. And because I've seen both, I can relate a little bit to both, but the Mm -hmm. starting place of their worldview is fundamentally different. Yeah, interesting. I love that. So I was born in 1974, which in uh, North America was the lowest birth rate year of the 20th century, um, which which has its interesting... So I'm classic Gen X. I'm like down the middle... Uh, Gen X and, you know, so, you know, small, small class sizes, you know, all that was kind of who, where I was. 
And I've found a lot of my ministry, frankly, and I've joked with this in other contexts, I feel like a lot of my ministry has been taking things from the boomers and giving them to the millennials and then more recently Gen Z. Um, and partly because I, I, I look around and there's just nobody else my age. I bump into people that just aren't people in, you know, it doesn't feel like that anyways. The, um, you know, the, the school I went to, the um, seminary I went to was literally kind of teetering on uh, bankruptcy wh- while I was there because there were so few people, <laughs> you know, it's interesting uh, time, but I can understand this kind of transition from analog to digital totally, uh, you know, understand, get that. I understand what you're, you're talking about there. Well, let's, let's talk about the church specifically. So I think a lot of churches, a lot of church leaders, probably intuitively understand that maybe we're not doing a great job reaching this generation. And while we don't want to be like all negative, I would help us understand that what, you know, what isn't working with kind of our current, you know, church, the kind of current church structure uh, in reaching these generations. What, what are we seeing, you know, in the, as we look to this kind of reaching out to this next uh, generations? I think you're absolutely right, Rich. There is this, you know, intuitive sense of um, how are we doing when it comes to these generations? Mm. And to give you just a few numbers, the latest Barna research, it's now over six out of every 10 millennials who grew up in the church, that's me, have dropped out of the church. That It's, it's not a microscopic number. These are, and it's not a distant trend. These are massive numbers. The number of Americans age 18 to 29 who have no religious affiliation has nearly quadrupled in the last mm, 30 wow. years. Wow. And by 2030, millennials will represent 75% of the global workforce. So I asked the question, will they represent 75% of your church? Now, for mm. whatever reason, I think sometimes as church leaders, maybe because we're so full of faith, I'm not sure. Um, We don't like to stare in the mirror at some of these numbers and go, why? Mm. But these numbers are starting to grow so large. To me, it's forcing us to the point where we really have to be introspective and we have to look at it. And that's why I spent two years doing a deep dive because I realized this is a crisis. And I wrote about the eight innovations in my white paper to practically help churches. Mm -hmm. But really, I made two big discoveries. And it was out of that that all the practical ideas kind of came. Mm, Interesting. Well, let's talk about what those discoveries are. Well, the the first is interesting, Rich, because uh, when I started, I was expecting to find something like our websites aren't cool enough. (laughs) (laughs) so true um better music and and you know Mm. what's interesting the number one driver because this isn't just affecting churches this is affecting right now organizations and and businesses and entire nations our life expectancy over the last 100 years has gone Mm -hmm. from 48 to 78 in 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 the western world or thereabouts right so what that means is this we now have up to five generations living simultaneously. Mm. And that presents a very unique and unprecedented challenge. Why? You think about the different moments in world history that each of those generations was Mm. born into. It's wildly different. 
And so no wonder right. businesses, community groups, charities, families, and churches are needing greater generational IQ because we are relating to such a diverse range of cultures. So I think for me, the first kind of starting point is to say it's bigger than us. And the Mm. fact that people are living so long means as pastors, when we look out at our churches, it's not just one congregation. We have all of these different generations raised at such different points in human history. Now, I think of my great-grandfather. This guy was an immigrant Mm -hmm. from Britain. Uh, What a great man. He moved with his family after World War II to Australia to start a new life, right? Right. So he, he gets to Australia and grinds it out, starts a small business. It's a local mm-hmm. burger shop. The guy is there early in the morning making meat patties and, and, and driving this mum and dad family store for decades. Now, the guy did well. He acquired commercial real estate and became successful in his career. Now, when we were kids, I still remember with my brothers going over to his house and his house had uh, plastic, like clear plastic, the plastic that came with the couches still on the couches. And these were nice couches. (laughs) So we would make fun of our great granddad and say, what's the deal with the plastic? Like, at what point is the plastic going to come off? And we would we would laugh and give him a hard time, and it was terrible to sit on. Are you kidding me? You sit on these lounges, and you're sitting on you're sitting on plastic. But now, now having gone through this pandemic, I look back mm. and I see the clear plastic differently. It now makes yes. sense. Why? He lived through the Great Depression. Right. It that was a, a moment that marked him forever and shaped his worldview. So even when he had money, the plastic stayed on the lounges. Well, you Mm. could talk stories from every generation about things that significantly mark generations. And here we are trying to relate with music, preaching, teaching, programming, branding, social media Mm. to five different generations. It's a real challenge. Hmm. Fascinating. What a, uh, you know, what a, that's a, a, a vivid picture when we think about, you know, the difference in differences in generation for sure. You know, I, I know you end up talking to a lot of church leaders uh, around this whole area and you've written a white, white paper, which we'll get to. We want to make sure people get a chance to pick that up. Um, but I know you talk to a lot of church leaders around how do we um, be generationally aware? How do we ensure our ministries are uh, trying to not uh, or trying to appeal to people across all those generations with a particular eye on next generation. I'm sure you have some go-to advice that you give to churches that are looking to be next generation focused, that are trying to say, hey, I I, I want to make sure we don't become anachronistic. I want to make sure our, our ministries don't become um, you know, just disconnected. What would be some of that go-to advice that you find yourself giving churches all the time uh, when you when they're trying to think about that, when they're trying to be next generation focused? Yeah. Firstly, Rich, I'll say this. What we can't do is we can't fix it with cool church. Mm. Meaning Tell me if we that. modernize the stage, make the music better, have more sophisticated branding. And now if you came to my church, we do all of those things, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're a modern contemporary church. Um, but we can't fix the significance of the problem 
simply with those things. Um, and I think that that's very important so that we don't buy into the quick fix. It, it won't work. And you have new generations that have seen that kind of thing a mile away. And so for me, there, there are a couple of areas that I think at least we've got to give consideration to. Um, one is leadership style and the second is church culture. Church culture is massive, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm yet to to meet a millennial who said, and I said, why did you walk away from the church? And I said, well, the, lo- the logo wasn't cool enough. Um, it's deeper than that. We've got to get right. into culture because our culture speaks a language to them. And culture is everything. It's everything from the facility to the language we use um, mm. to what we present. Very significant. And that second one is leadership style. Leadership style uh, that relates to millennials and Gen Z, collaborative styles, new ways of talking, new ways of relating. Um, our starting point is different. And in my uh, eight innovations to leading millennials, uh, which mm-hmm. is available for free as a PDF, or if you want it in the Amazon ecosystem, you can uh, you can grab it on there as well. But I go through things, practical things like the use of technology and social media, how to have a relational leadership style, what to do with your organizational structure, dynamic program and events. Um, I mean, I can go on and I would say even mm-hmm. just right there, Rich, the more that we can invest, if you're talking millennials, uh, mm-hmm. well, millennials are now in their 30s, right? Yes. <laughs> Some, like me, yeah. nearing 40. So our investment in children's ministry for a child-centric generation, very, very important. It's going to be hard for you to reach millennials and you're going and fixing your Instagram feed and families walk in and see a children's ministry that's not cutting it. I would reverse that. I would say put the funds into kids' ministry as a priority. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, we've seen that. Um, for sure, that you know, prevailing churches are investing in um, kids ministry. Definitely, when we're trying to reach that thirty-something quote-unquote person, you know, that's a huge issue. Let's let's kind of loop around on the you know the cool church issue uh, for a little bit, you know, because that's I think that that can be such a um, a temptation to say, you know, all we've got to do is kind of fix the veneer. But help me differentiate between, um, hey, it's not about being just the cool church, but it is about leadership style. What is the difference between those two? Help us help us understand that okay, um, Rich, as we think about uh, trying to be next generation centric. We, we like coffee in Australia. I'm sure like, like you do there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I will drive past 100 coffee shops to get to the place that I like. And it's interesting because right now it's this dingy little, I mean, there's not even a sign up, right? It's this dingy (laughs) little roastery in a warehouse that they didn't even bother to remodel the warehouse. Right. But man, you go there and the coffee is great. Now, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter to me if they've got a flashing neon sign over the door but you go in and it feels too commercialized. The coffee's not good. I want the substance. And somewhere, I think we just misperceive this generation. And we perceive mm. that they're shallow. They want to show. All they see is the external veneer. And so let's just give them cool. Let's just give them entertainment. Let's just give them more modern. 
And I'm saying, no, they want good coffee. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just about presenting a nicer venue. We've got mm-hmm. to actually get to the substance. And so mm-hmm. I think we've gotten a little bit distracted and I understand why that was needed in the nineties and maybe the, the early years of, of, of the two thousands where we've got to modernize, we've got to become more contemporary. I think now we've got to be willing to do the deep dive and get into our church culture. So for example, here's something that I think, I mean, I'd really be opening up something that takes more time to talk about, but we say things like this, don't change the message, change the methods. Mm -hmm. And I react to that phrase. Now I'm an orthodox, personally, I'm an orthodox conservative Bible guy, right? Sure. Yep. (laughs) But here's what I've learned when people say that oftentimes Mm -hmm. that they, when they talk, about don't change the message, they're not just talking about don't change the core doctrine of Scripture. Barreled in with that is a whole lot of methodology, church culture, the way we do things. And by the time you're done, you realize, oh, when you say don't change the message, change the methods, there's almost no methods left to change by the time you actually define what your your message is. So I think we've got to have total clarity on that. What is our message, i.e. our unchanging doctrine? And then how can we be faster at changing the things that need to change? Yeah, that's good. I love that. St- sticking with the uh, the coffee example and this idea of great coffee, um, I think that's a you know that's an, an apropos kind of example. Um, help us kind of draw the lines, connect the lines to our churches. You know, I think um, one of the things we found on the so I, I've done work on the church growth side, and we've seen this for years that churches that are growing. Um, are are message centric. They 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 teach. They have something to teach. They're not, um, you know, they're they have conviction and they don't mind sharing that conviction. And um, they you know they see that as kind of core to who they are. Um, and so I think that's a that resonates with what we see on the church growth side and the fact that good coffee I would say is also you know the core of like hey good teaching a good you need to be saying something that's not just um, you know that's just not just a pat on the back it needs to actually um, help people take steps closer to Jesus but what would be some of those examples of you know keeping focus on the good coffee keeping focus on things that are, are you know majoring on the majors but then um, being relaxed on uh, on the method or, or minoring on the minors what would be some examples or maybe examples from churches that you've seen um, that have actually flexed to try to help reach the next generation, but while at the same time stayed focused on uh, what they need to stay focused on. In a culture that's shallow, depth is attractive. So to me, that's, that is content driven. It affects our preaching. It affects our programming. I think it affects how we do things like small groups And we have to make this shift, Rich, between just giving people like an end sermon. And we've really got to help a generation be able to read, Mm -hmm. study, and understand the Bible for themselves. Because we're talking about largely biblically illiterate generations. So don't you think then as a maybe as a preacher that changes how I preach? Because I'm like, I can't just give you an end sermon. I want to take you on the journey with me so you understand my hermeneutics. You understand how I developed that. I'm bringing you into the kitchen 
for you to see how I put this meal together so that you can cook it yourself in your own home. And if you take that same idea when it comes to small groups, maybe where 10 years ago, we're like, can we keep the discussion to 15 minutes? How short can we make things? I think there's a hunger where people really want to talk. They want to go deeper. And to me, that word deeper is key, depth. Deeper in relationships. They want they want depth in community, real community, authentic community. They want depth in, in Bible. So how can we not make everything so user-friendly and streamlined that it's so smooth, it's polished, it has no bumps, it has no edges to it, to finding a bit more grit, trying to present something a bit more authentic and going deeper in those offerings. Yeah, that's good. You know, I've said in in other contexts that, um, you know, there was a time that from a communicator point of view, the people who get up and and talk (laughs) primarily in the church, there was a time where I think there was like a, and this predates, I think, my generation, but uh, there was a time where we looked at those people and wanted them to be heroes. Like we wanted them to be perfect. We wanted them to be, to have their life all together. But, you know, we've seen that for sure we've seen that shift where actually what we're looking for are uh, people who are real and are authentic and and actually have some bumps and scrapes and and have shown that um, maybe their life is is not all necessarily together and that they're pursuing a relationship with Jesus in the midst uh, of, of that. That's for sure been a shift that we've seen. Is that the kind of thing uh, you're thinking about on this front? It is. And let me take it a step further. Uh, mm-hmm. You're near Toronto, right? Yeah, absolutely. So are you a Raptors fan? <laughs> I'm not really a sports guy. So uh, I, I, like, I, if I was going to be a, a, a basketball fan, I would have to cheer for the Raptors. But yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Do you know how old the general manager was when he was appointed to the role? I have no idea. Okay. He was like, like 32. That's great. And the guy Fantastic. is leading a multi-billion dollar franchise that won a championship. And in many churches, 32 is too young to do just about anything. How we define young matters. And there's this trend that the older people get, the older executive pastors get and so forth. We start going Mm -hmm. the young guy and I'm like, oh, no, he's 45. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still get referred to as the young guy, Rich. I'm bold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Young... Yeah. Young is 22. And we need to be putting young people in genuine leadership positions before they have all of the qualifications and all of the experience and coach them and mentor them. But if we've got these next generations waiting in the wings so long, right? So long. Because, well, they need another five years. They need a bit more maturity. They need a bit more experience. I ask this question, if you look at your leadership structure right now, do a generational audit on it and ask the question, how can we move younger, faster with who are in leadership roles? Very important. Yeah, that's very good. Love that. And yeah, I've experienced that same even just personally, like I, in my church career, I, we started doing multi-site 20 years ago. And so I was like mid twenties when we first launched our first campus, I thought I was like the oldest guy ever. And, uh, like was so mature. And I look back on that and I've, I've often thought like, man, like 
I, the, the amount of responsibility that was handed to me um, at that point, am I doing that for the next generation? Am I handing off that um, at the same rate? Because I just think that's so, uh, you know, so important. Uh, love that. Well, you know, we've, you've got this white paper that I want to talk about a little bit. It's called Eight Innovations to Leading Millennials, uh, How Millennials Can Grow Your Church and Change the World. And it talks not just about millennials, but also about uh, Gen Z. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about this. What kind of motivated you to uh, pull this white paper to get, uh, together? What, you know, this is a lot of work you put, you put into this. Uh, tell us about that. I'm passionate about the local church. It's been the story of my mm-hmm. life and it's what I've given my heart to. And I found being raised in the church as a pastor's kid, it was real mm. easy for me to throw stones, sit in the back seat of my dad's car on the way home from church, and he'd say, all right, kids, how was church today? Oh, right. dad, you, you preach for too long. Dad, why is that person on the stage? Uh, dad, why can't we have better food after the, after the service? And then I became a pastor, Rich, and I realized, oh, my goodness, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk about this through the lens of a practitioner, not not through the lens of just research or just theory, but from someone in the midst of trying to pastor and lead multiple generations and on a week-to-week basis, wrestling with that complexity and the tensions of that and realizing there are no easy Band-Aid solutions when you start talking about generational intelligence and church culture and leadership style. But I wanted to get into a little bit of that. That's why I take just the one innovation of church facilities, where I start talking about shopping malls and the move towards these artesian style food courts compared to the Mm. fast food courts of the 1990s. And I'm looking at that and I'm realizing, oh, even our church facilities need to make shifts. So I've put together a 77-page white paper. It's both philosophical, cultural, theological, and practical. Um, And I've recently released a follow-up to that called The Promise of Pain, which is specifically about pastoring millennials and Gen Z in the midst of this pandemic. And that's a free PDF available as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. There's, listen, friends, I had a chance to go through this and this is great content. This is the kind of thing you want to pick up and um, lean in and learn. I think all of us are trying to figure out how can we uh, serve the next generation better. I know a lot of uh, gray-haired executive pastors who are who worry about this. Who this is a legit issue. They're like, man, we need to figure out how to do this, how to do this well, and are looking for uh, a good guide to this. And I think uh, Benjamin, you're you've provided a real g- gift here to so many leaders. So where do we want to send people to pick that up? Where where can we get them to pick up this uh, this or any of the resources? Yeah, p- please got? just head along to my website, benjaminwindle w i n d l e dot com. And you can find all of the links and the content there. There's also a video course that I've put together of the the same content. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and friends, we'll also link to that in the show notes. So you'll can find that super easy. Just click on your phone right now and it'll take you over there. And I'd encourage you to pick that up. Well, Benjamin, I appreciate you being on the on the call today. Is there anything else you want to share just as we wrap up today's episode? Thank you, Rich. I so appreciate it. You know, we are right now in the midst of the first culturally disruptive moment in two generations with this pandemic. And I think I would encourage all of us that pastor and lead and were involved in local churches by the story of how the book of Acts finishes. Acts 27, Paul is shipwrecked. Acts 28, he's actually in home detention in Rome. 
all of his plans changed. But even from his home in isolation, right? Sounds like lockdown. Mm -hmm. In isolation, (laughs) the man's ministry thrives and he's incredibly effective. So not only do we Mm -hmm. have generational challenges right now, we have this global health challenge. But I think within that, recognizing that God can still move through our leadership and make our ministry fruitful, even in this season. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here today, sir. Uh, Again, uh, benjaminwindle.com. We want to send you over there to pick up uh, those resources. Appreciate you being here today, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>